The uh, theme for today is a surprising God. It, it shouldn't come as any surprise that our God is a surprising God. Um, he does many surprising things. I'm sure you can all uh, relate moments in your lives where God has done something surprising. It's a, it's a surprise that uh, I'm up the front today, not hidden back there. Um, one of the verses I automatically thought of um, before I knew the verses that were being read today was um, when uh, when God parted the Red Sea, obviously. Um, that would have been a very surprising thing to see, um, escaping um, out of out of Egypt and uh, and and hitting what you think is a dead end, uh, but then God turns around and does something amazing and, and passes the sea and they're all free to get through. Um, and it's funny that the actual Bible verse today actually relates, it's in a very similar vein to that. So the, the first reading is uh, from Joshua 3 verses 14 to 17. And uh, as I read, just try and imagine yourself being there at the time, just try and imagine you being one of those people in the convoy with the, with, the, with the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant. So just try and listen to the words and, and picture yourself in there. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarathan. And the water below that, below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was completely dry. So then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. And they waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Uh, the, uh, the second reading is from Exodus 4. It's verses 10 to 12. Uh, it starts, uh, But Moses pleaded with the Lord, Oh, Lord, I'm, I'm not very good with words. I, I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. And then the Lord asked Moses, well, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear? See or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go and I'll be with you as you speak. And I will instruct you what to say. Both of these readings obviously come from uh, the one source of truth, our Bible, and uh, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Well, good morning. I'm Merv Tilly, and I'm going to have the privilege of interviewing um, two gentlemen here, and I'll introduce them as they sit down. Case Wessling, who is the leader of our uh, ministry coordinating group. Uh, he's also a great prayer warrior and our has been in this congregation for a number of years as such. And um, the other person is Lindsay Freund, who is the chair of our board. So I think it's very appropriate that if we're going to have interviews, which hopefully this is going to be a series of interviews, that we start the people who are leading us and find out what motivates them and what drives them. So we're going to talk to them this morning in two sessions. The first session, uh, we'll be talking about their faith journey, uh, what, where their formation of faith came from, how it's played out in their lives, we're going to have a break, we'll sing a song, praise God for that, 
and then we're going to talk about their prayer lives. So uh, at the end of, the, uh, of each of these little sessions, which hopefully won't go too long, I'll try not to keep you too long, um, there's a chance for you to uh, ask any questions you would like, and I will come down with a microphone if there's anybody who would like to ask them some questions, um, and I'm sure they'll be happy to answer them. So it's the first time we've done something like this for a long time, isn't it? But it's going to be good. <laughs> so, gentlemen, I'll start with you, Case. Just, uh, can you just tell us a little bit about your, your faith history? What influenced your life? What brought you to this point in your life? Um, it's a very good question, Murph. So I, uh, as you uh, all probably know, I grew up in, in Holland. I was brought up in a uh, Catholic family. Uh, I'm the oldest of six children. Mum had six kids in seven years. Yeah. Brave lady. And as the story goes on, see... <laughs> I moved to Australia and see all the six kids moved out within seven years. Uh, and there's a little bit of a story to that too, which I'll share with you later. Um, I was an altar boy, uh, a church or cathedral worshipping six, seven hundred on a Sunday morning. And I was quite involved. And this one faithful Sunday morning, um, uh, I was sitting with my mates down the back after a big Saturday night, which we usually do. I was about 17 or 18, I think I was 18, and in the church walked two tanned brown girls um, walking through the middle of the centre of the aisle and sat down the front, and there was these whispers going on. I said, don't look bad looking. Um, so, and tradition was then after, because we were studying and I was in an apprenticeship butcher, that we catch up Sunday mornings after church for lunch and play a bit of cards and share our life. Every week we did that. And um, anyway, we're sitting down there sharing, um, sharing life together and the boy said, well, you know, the, the shorter one will be good for Case and the taller one will be good for my mate Bert and just talking. So this prediction happened. Anyway, three weeks later, uh, I went out with Debbie. Uh, for the first time, uh, there was um, the Queen's coronation the 30th of April, 1980. I remember that. Uh, I had to work in the morning, and I said, I'll pick you up in the morning and then drop me off at mum's place. I'll have a shower, and we'll go out. Anyway, I had a shower, and my mum couldn't speak English. Debbie couldn't speak Dutch, which would have been quite interesting. Anyway, I gave my mum a hug. I said, see you later, and she said to me, you're going to marry that girl. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we went out and got to know one another over the 12 months. Uh, anyway, so... Uh, February the following year, Deb went back home, and uh, we promised ourselves to each other. And then I went home and said, and now what? So I learned about prayer. And I said, Lord, if it's your will, so be it. I'll give my life to you if I need to follow this woman. So six months later, I moved to Australia. I got permanent residency really easily. easily. Uh, I met Debbie's family at the airport. Uh, Deb said, you don't need a coat. Well, I do need a coat. It was seven degrees and it was raining Friday afternoon. It was, really <laughs> it was quite cold. And uh, I got to know her family very, very quickly, and particularly this particular man, her uncle Stan, Stan Hipoff. He was a real influence to me. Uh, he said, no, you were brought up Catholic. I said, yeah. And you know, your mother-in-law said to you, if you want to marry my daughter, you've got to be a Lutheran. I said, yeah. You better start learning to read the Bible. I said, okay, so start with... You know, you get the newspaper every morning on the lawn before you go to work, open page five, and down the bottom it says, Ford of today. 
It says, read that, and we'll talk about it on Saturday. And so it unfolds. So I start to read for the day, um, yeah, and I'll share a little bit more later on. Yeah, thank you. So, the, so it was a significant couple of people in your lives. One, of course, you're very attracted to. and <laughs> Yeah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> you were sort of caught there. God put Debbie in your, in your life, and then Debbie's uncle was in your life. And those two people are really significant for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I think that's probably a lot of you can relate to that, that there are significant people. Lindsay, um, you have a very different journey. You didn't go come from Holland. <laughs> no. So, no, sorry, I don't speak I, I Dutch. mean, the, the name of the place he comes from sounds a bit Dutch to me. What is it? You done to what? You done to Cowry Springs. Yeah, okay. It's running water. <laughs> so, Lindsay, would you share your, your, some of your history and faith journey? Yeah. Well, I grew up uh, in a Christian home, uh, went to church on Sundays, went to Sunday school, went to youth, did all those things. And in hindsight, um, you know, I had a, probably a childlike faith. But when I moved, I moved down into to Adelaide. I went to Adelaide University for, for a number of years doing electrical engineering. And in hindsight, I probably wouldn't really consider myself a Christian now at that point. Um, you know, when I went home, I went to church, as, as I did, because my parents went to church. Uh, but it didn't really mean a lot to me. But uh, when I went home, I also went to, you know, I had some good friends up there, um, a couple of Peters, they were also in my wedding. Um, so we went to youth, and Pastor Fred Virus was the pastor there at that time. And we had a... He's Dutch. Mm-hmm. He is Dutch, yes. There's a connection. There's a connection. <laughs> and um, we had a Bible study, and it was on the parable of the sower. And, you know, the parable where the sower goes out and he sows seed. Some falls on hard ground, some falls on uh, thorny ground, some... What's the other one? Um, anyway. Fertile ground. I think there's about four <laughs> different types, and then some falls on good soil. And he said, during the course of the evening, I'm going to come around and ask each of you you know, like Case or Merv, what type of ground are you? Mm-hmm. And, you know, doing the Bible study, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, done the Bible study, that's, that's fine. But having someone personally ask you, what type of ground are you, started me on a journey. And at that point, I probably would have said, uh, probably hard ground. You know, the, the word comes, but it doesn't sink in, it just gets eaten, just goes away. That, that really did start me on a journey. And, and then one after one um, Saturday night, I probably went out and, yeah, probably drank too much. As you do. I was lying in bed thinking, what am I doing for my life? And I remember praying you know, and asked Jesus to come into my life. And that was a turning point for me. Um, and I think people noticed the difference in me. And it was really, I look back at that time and think, yep, that was, that was a defining time in my life. Um, just while we're here, the, the, the um, Bible reading you chose for the service was the one about the, about the priest putting their foot um, into the water and, and, then, and the water stopped so that everybody else could go through. And, and now you're in a position where you are putting your foot in the water here at Good Shepherd so that we can all 
go through. Why did you choose that particular um, text? It's one of those times. Where were you? Uh, I guess it's quite appropriate at this service. Where were you when man walked on the moon? Because most of you probably remember that. Or when Lady Di died. I know where you were, Merv. You were in Clare with me. And it's one of those defining moments in your life where you think, yep, I remember where I was. That particular verse, uh, I remember Pastor Peter Stike, was preaching on that, the children of Israel going into the promised land. And I was sitting back there, probably about two, two rows in front of the sound desk, in, in the pews that we used to have here, if you remember them. And, and he said, God could have done a miracle like parted the water, you know, banked the water up there and let the water run down there before the priest walked into the water, but he didn't. Mm. He said, no, the priest, you're going to have to get your feet wet first and then I'll do a miracle. And at that point, so that was appropriate to me at the time. It spoke to me because um, at that time I was looking at uh, starting a company to, to go out engineering. And it was like, well, how do I get started? I don't know how to get started. And I remember saying to my mother, don't, don't worry, Mum, I won't do anything stupid like resign from my previous job without anything to go to. Oh, guess what? <laughs> At that moment, it was like I knew what I had to do. I had to step out. I had to get my feet wet. So it really meant a lot to me at that time. And Case, you chose the, the, the burning bush or the voice and, you know, I can't speak. Um, you can speak very well in, in Dutch and English. Um, why that, why that, that particular text? It, it really, it actually, I was praying about it last night and I suddenly realised that um, I've used that excuse many times myself um, and so, you know, I don't know what to say so I won't say anything. Why did you choose that text? Um... Yeah, it's quite emotional to think about that. But um, I, I know I shared uh, with you that mum had six kids in seven years and then she um, take, took up painting just to have something to do. Dad was a full-time farmer, mum was a stay-at-home stay mum and then say, what am I going to do with myself? So she took up painting. Anyway, so um, while here through the journey... Um, Debbie and I um, you know, became part of a small group and then there was a point in our lives that we had a few struggles. Um, we had a business, a butcher shop business, and it was the time that Peter Starkey was called down here. And I laid in bed and I had this dream, this dream, and it was, and it was very appropriate. It was Josh, uh, Moses standing on a rock over the Red Sea and his staff, and I was standing next to him. And I had this dream over and over and over again. And then one person, Sonia Collins, she tapped me on the shoulder. He said, now this P Peter Starkey is coming. He said, you need to be his prayer partner. And I started laughing. I said, sure, I can't even speak English. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and it, so the next morning I woke up and this verse came to mind. And the journey began of me and Peter Starkey. became prayer partners and got up lost in mischief, of course, but... So would you, is there a, some, I guess there's many significant uh, events in your life that, that um, have encouraged you, but could you share one event 
um, that has really uh, encouraged you or directed your journey? Something that maybe has changed the way you travel with Jesus, how you walk with him? Yeah, so, um, so when Deb and I got married, and uh, I was real ambitious. Uh, I was driven. I knew what I wanted. I was going to make money. I was going to show my mum and dad I could do this. Uh, so Deb was right alongside of me, walking with me, and I bought a, we bought a business, then bought another one, so it employed lots and lots of staff. But we were married for nine years, and Deb couldn't fall pregnant. And this one faithful day, she fell pregnant. Uh, and we, it was the best thing ever. So the time came around September, and I'll never forget, forget the date, 9-11. Not 9-11, but particularly, it was a different year, it was 1990. And we went to hospital, Deb was in labour, and we had this little boy, and was stillborn. I got stuck doing birth. And my world just shattered. And I'm still, when I talk about it now, 32 years later, it still feels like shattering moments. But it was a pivotal point in my journey. I went in my cave. I worked and worked. And I couldn't, where I could, couldn't get rid of the pain. Now, mind you, we've got two beautiful daughters now, and it's, life is fantastic. But at that moment, and we had two butcher shops, people started talking to me about, it happened to me. And it happened to me. And this one young lady, she would have been 19, she said, it happened to me, and she just spilled her story to me and gave me a Bible and said, and this is what helped me through it. I still got the Bible. It's a little Bible. I can't read it because I need glasses now to read. But, and I got underlined, underlined, underlined. And we were part of a small group, a young adults one. And Lindsay was young adults two, two. I think. Yeah, that's right. That was one of the small groups. And the young adults, I guess they supported us through it, but they didn't know what to say. You know, there were little kids everywhere, but we had nothing. Um, but I realized that life was, more, was a lot more about making money, succeeding. It was about sharing life and um, through this awful time life changed and Lindsay for you uh, a particular instance where you can sort of reflect back and go yeah that was significant in my life it, it really changed my direction or it um, changed the way I thought about things I mentioned before about going into business well there's now, the story's either side of that, which, um, what, what time do you say uh, we had? Well, well, we've got about uh, two minutes left in this session. Minutes, <laughs> that's, all right. that's all right. We can go a bit longer if we need to. Um, well, just prior to that, even, um, I'd been at ACI Glass Packaging and um, I've been promoted to the... ACI made glass, by the way. Mm. Yeah, well, they're being sold now. They're another company, but... Um, and I was engineering manager there, and I was pushed sideways, and, and I really wanted to get out of that place, and I was looking for jobs and couldn't find anything. And um, I remember sitting on the back lawn one day, it was a nice sunny day, we were out there with the kids, and I was reading the Bible, and I can't remember what, it, what the verse was, but I knew that I had to stay there another couple of years. It just settled me down. It was like God was saying, speaking into my heart, saying, you've got some lessons to learn, Lindsay. Learn them. And that was one of them. And then Julie and I were washing, she was washing dishes, I was wiping, and, and we were talking about this, and she said, I'll ring up tomorrow, see if TAFE have got any courses to help you in business. You know, this is God's timing. God, God prints. 
that night that she rang up, she rang me up at work and said, um, there, there's an information session on a small business course. You have to go along to it. And I went along to the small business course and I can't remember how many people were there. The, the place was crowded and they only had a limited number of spots. And to, to actually get into the course, we, we had to write why we wanted to get in. And so I wrote this thing and, um, and I got into this course. So that was preparing me for business. And, and then the, I guess, you know, the, the children of Israel going into the promised land, there's trust, trust that God will provide. Uh, and stepping out in faith and that trust. And, and I guess it's these, these times when you look back and you think, yes, God did provide. And we went through a period in 2001 where, uh, you know, this is after Y2K. If you remember Y2K, where the world was going to stop because, uh, you know, sort of <laughs> the, the time, all the computers would stop. And, well, there was some truth in it, but it got, there was a lot of the hyperbole about it as well. Um, now I lost my train of thought. <laughs> yeah, you were talking about your business and trust. Yeah, so there was, after that, uh, in 2001, there was a period of time where I didn't have work for uh, probably eight, nine months and just couldn't find anything. And Julie's father had uh, motor neurone disease. My father was diagnosed with, uh, with lung cancer. My father died in May. Um, Julie's father died in November. And so we went that whole time. I didn't have any work, but God provided. We still had two cars to drive. You know, this is a first world problem. Two cars to drive. We still had food on the table. I know that uh, we'd bring the kids to school and then we'd go home. Julie and I would sit down and we'd have a quiet time. We'd play Jeff Bullock and, yeah. And it felt like God, like an onion, God was peeling back these layers. And uh, that time was really defining. I look back at that time and think it was a hard time, but it was really a time that defined where we were with God. Hmm. Yeah, and then I resigned, and uh, I think Jeff Bullock actually came here during that time. And, uh, yeah, yeah, during that time. Sorry, I'm getting the timeline a little bit mis mixed up here. And uh, I think it was after that there was an ad in the paper for Y2K at Adelaide Brighton Cement. And Julie said, this, this job description is written for you. And, and I spent probably 18 months there. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, how when we look back, we can, it, it, we can see God mm. planning things, working things out. I often have this discussion with God. I, I'm going to ask you about this in the next session. But I have this time when um, I get cross with God because I don't know what his plan is and I'm a bit impatient. I would like to know where he's taking me and your journey is looking back <laughs> you can see that God has been planning it it's, it's amazing one last question and then we will, we will we will give you an opportunity for questions if you anybody's got some um, is there um, any particular um, experience you had where you've impacted your faith journey has impacted somebody else and how's that impact seeing somebody else being impacted by your faith how's that affected you do you understand that, what I'm asking? Yep. Yeah. OK. 
case you want to go first? All right. Yeah. A quick one, okay. Very quick. Um, so my family grew up, uh, my youngest daughter started dating and she was really involved in athletics. Mm -hmm. So she would train six nights a week, six nights a week. So Deb would drive her into town, train for two hours, long jump, triple jump, high jump. And she was champion five years in a row for triple jump nationally. So she, she was really, really busy and, and loved, loved sport. So she went out to New Zealand and compete just to see how she would go. She wanted to go to the Commonwealth Games. That's what, that was the next aim. Anyway, she met this English boy, a boy, Big John. He actually worshipped with us uh, one Easter a few years ago. He's a big, tall man, seven foot two. And Liana said to me, I'm in love with this boy. Can he come and stay with us um, while he's sort of finding his feet? And I said, yeah, so what does he do? He's an astrophysicist. I said, okay. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> anyway, so um, they went back to England, introduced themselves, came back here. John needed to find work. And for about three months, they were looking work and he couldn't find anything. This one afternoon, Sunday afternoon, he came back from, uh, from town and said, How are you going, John? And he sat down and he started crying. This big man started crying. He said, what? He said I'm homesick. I'm going home. Now, Liana had no idea. So she was crying, she was outside crying, screaming. And I said, so how are you going to do that? I said, I booked a flight, I'm leaving Melbourne next Friday. And uh, I packed my case, I hired a car, I'm driving to Melbourne tomorrow. Now he hadn't driven in Australia before. I know he drives, drives at the same side as we do, but I said, that's not going to happen. I just straight away just came out, I didn't even think about it, that's not going to happen. And he said, why? I said, I'm driving you. And he said, but there's two rules. He said, I'm taking some time off, so you buying breakfast, lunch, and tea, and you pay for the fuel. Yep. And he said, and no question is off limit. He agreed. He said, we're leaving at 4 a.m. He said, 4 a.m.? He said, yeah, then we'll be there about 3 o'clock. I can go stay with Talia, who was a, is a school teacher in Melbourne. Okay, no problems. So the next morning, it was messy. Got in the car and driving down the court. It's 100 meters. I said, John, how are you feeling? He said, I'm feeling really good. He said, so it's the right thing to do. Yeah. I said, well, far away, what's the first question? So we just, 100 minutes down the road, and he says, do you believe in aliens? <laughs> first question, I said, actually, matter of fact, I do. I said, but I don't call them aliens, I call them angels. Ah, have you ever seen angels? So you can message the conversation. Uh, I said, yes, I've seen an angel. I saw an angel when I was four years old, after I ran away from my mum and dad, sitting on the end of my bed. I've seen an angel on top of the man's, and said, um, an angel rescued me and my wife when I fell asleep in a car driving from Maitland to, through Balaclava back to Adelaide. So that's a short story. He said, wow. He said, now yeah, I, you, know, you pray every night. We discuss about God. And I said, you really, really hear from God, don't you? And I said, yes. So what? how do you hear from God? So I said, well, it's really simple to explain. So how? He said, do you know Chinese? And he says, no. I said, well, in China, they learn language in pictures. So first as a baby, a young child, they'll learn some pictures, some language. And then they might go to school, and then they'll learn the next grade, and learn more pictures. I said, and then they might go to university, and they'll learn more, and they'll learn this whole intriguing language. And, and he said, yeah. So that's how we got. I said, I started with reading newspaper, reading life, what's going on in the newspaper, and I got to page five, four to the day. Then it became part of a small group, and we started studying the word, and I got deeper into it. 
said, yeah. And then I you know, became part of a community. I wanted to share. I started to study the Word and started praying and talking to the Word. And it gets in depth and said, and now it speaks to me. And he, he was just speechless. I said, and just remember, John, you remember this conversation one day in my life because a good friend said to me, we all come to a crossroads one day and you can choose left or right. You choose God or you're not. And you will get there one day. I hope you remember this conversation. All right. Lindsay, I'm going to give you this opportunity the next service because we're running out of time. Are there any questions? Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. You notice we, we could go on forever talking. It's, it's good, good discussion. Any questions at all before we continue on? Don't no? be shy. No? Good. Um, faith encompasses hope. You've probably heard that from these people. You know, without hope, we, we are not the people we should be. God wants us to have hope, and for that, he gives us grace, and by grace, we can have faith. Um, and that hope is Jesus. So let's praise God, and then we'll continue the interview. So the next reading is, uh, is the one where Jesus walks on water, which you should all be quite familiar with, hopefully. Uh, immediately after this, it starts, so it's Matthew, sorry, it's Matthew 14, verses 22 to 33. So beginning at 22. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in a bit of trouble. Far the, they were far away from land. Uh, there was a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. Uh, and about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified and in their fear they cried out, it's a ghost, uh, which would be a natural reaction I would imagine. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. And then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong winds and the water, he was terrified and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out his arm and grabbed him. He said, you have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. And then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. What a prayer. Save me, I'm sinking. How many times have um, we been in situations where we've turned to God and said, Save me, I'm sinking. Um, and all we have to do is look to him. So, gentlemen... We're just going to talk about prayer. Lindsay, we'll start with you. Um, what part has prayer? And, and just how do you describe prayer, I guess, while you're at it? Um, what part has prayer played in your faith journey? A lot. Good answer. <laughs> I, I think prayer is one of those, those things where... Um, you know, there's, there's various ways of praying, I suppose. There's, we can go to God with our list of things. You know, God, please give me a nice house, nice car to drive and, and all those things. And I mean, that's really a wish list. 
And, and I think God, to me, prayer is a two-way relationship. It's me talking to God and God talking to me. You know, if, if we've got a, a life partner and we go to him and say, oh, I want a new car, I want a, you know, a new house, and that's all we talk to him about, I think they're going to get turned off pretty quickly. So I think they, they want to talk and, and God wants to talk with us. And there's been times in my life where I um, looked at things and I know Julie and I prayed at one stage. We had a you know, three-bedroom house and you know, a couple of kids and we thought, oh, it's a bit small, what do we do? Do we move? Do we, do we stay there? So got some house plans or some extensions drawn up and we had two quotes and we were waiting on the third quote and this is the time when you could actually do things for about $40,000. Um, not whatever it is now. Um, so we, we prayed one night and said, God, if you want us to build on and not move to a new house, bring it in under 40000 Well, God, God's got a sense of humour, I think. <laughs> Came in at $39,990. So obviously there was $1 something you'd forgotten about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's, that was one time. And then we were, we were looking, we were discussing and thought, well, what is God's will? How do we know what God's will is? How do we hear God talk to us? And it was around this time um, where we were, we were reading books and we thought, well, we've read that. Um, and these were you know, Christian books on, on hearing God's will. And so we were praying and then... Um, I'd read a book by Dean Sherman and, um, and I found out that he was actually going to be in Australia at a, a YWAM Associates camp um, over in, um, in Sydney. And our good friends, Peter and Linda, were praying for us and, and we said, well, they invited us along. And, and when I found out that Dean Sherman was going to be there, I thought, yeah, let's, let's go. And they said, yeah, well, we've been praying for you. <laughs> <laughs> so I went along to that camp and it was an interesting time because it was, there was a lot of, you know, I think as, shall be, say, as Lutherans, we know a lot of head knowledge. But it's, it's the heart that God wants. And so the, the distance between the head and the heart is, you know, it's not that, that far, but, but I think it's significant and that we can actually um, be emotional to God, enjoy God and be intimate with God and, and that's what prayer is and, um, and I think yeah, God answers prayers as well uh, there's been a couple of times where um, I remember going into work, I was driving down Wright Road, I was going to park the car at the, the bus station and, and catch the, the O-Barn in and it was one um, I'm not quite sure if it was a Monday Anyway, it was, um, there were some work things where, where it was really getting quite... Um, the expectations was that I'd get all this work done and, and I was almost getting to the point where I didn't want to go. I was frightened to go in because I knew that I was uh, facing some, some difficult issues and time constraints and, and really just I didn't want to know about it. And I was just praying on the way in there got in and everything had changed. 
And it was amazing how, how God can answer prayer like that. Thank you. Case, I'm going to change around a bit. Um, how would you encourage other followers of Jesus or people who are just in their early stages of following Jesus, which is quite an interesting time in your life, um, you're still trying to work out who's the boss because you want to be the boss and, yep. and you're not. Um, how would you encourage followers of Jesus in their prayer life? How, where, where do we start? It's sometimes really hard, you know. Um, what do I say? How do I address God? Is he Father? Is he Jesus? Is he... Where do I... Holy Spirit? Where, help us. Okay. Um, one of the most precious gifts, and I won't grab it because the microphone will go crackly, is... Uh, I think it was our first wedding anniversary. Debbie gave me a little cross like that. And Deb says, like, hang on to that. He said, and you find guidance. Now, as you learn about things, I, I, I look at the cross and go, like, there's a pole up, up to the heavens. So of me at the bottom, God up top. So it's always one way. That's what Colin would say, one way. And I said, but then the other crossbar is how we connect with him. So if I'm part of the ball going upwards, because I pray that I will go to heaven one day, not today, but one day, not, not today, <laughs> possibly, and that I, I, you connect with people on your journey. But sometimes the connection might be a split second, and sometimes it might be three months like Big John, or eight hours in the car, which he can't get out of the door. It was amazing. So you, you connect with people, and through life's journey, you realize that God walks alongside of you. And it says in Genesis 3, too, God doesn't, didn't come down to heaven to catch up with Adam and Eve. He was already there. He just wanted to catch up with them, walking in the Garden of Eden. And I think if we f have an understanding of, like Lynch says, not a wish list, but an, a conversation that goes on and on, even when he's not there, but he is, because he's right behind you, right on the side of you, that it's a conversation, a daily conversation. And then when someone crosses your path, like Big John, he'll give you the answers. That's my advice. Lindsay, I know you've been in uh, a little prayer group, and I've got to confess I've been in the same prayer group with Lindsay. Um, we call it a life transition group, LTG, where we've been, we haven't for a while, we've been too busy. No, yeah, that's mm, right. Very yeah. busy. But how has that group helped you? And I know it's helped me a lot, but if you, could you share a bit of that? I didn't give him warning of this question, by the way. This is left field. It's not on the list. Yeah, I haven't got any notes. Not on the list. Um, it's time when we can... Sometimes there's, there's a lot of talking that goes on and, and we then culminate in prayer. And I think it's, it's a space where we can... And it's, a, I guess, a safe space where we can talk about our faith journey, um, talk about things with each other and then, then pray about them and commit them to God and it's a really valuable time where um, I think God actually ministers to us and we minister to each other you know, and, and God can work through other people you know, if we've got a problem we can talk these things through and, and then we can pray for each other and it's, I think it's really it's a, a valuable time and we might think we're too busy to pray, but I think committing things to God in prayer has is, is been really valuable.
Thank you. We, we're running out of time. We're nearly finished. Are there any questions? Anybody at all? No? I'm ready to move. Yes, yes there's a couple over here. Oh, I'm on my way. Still young enough to run, almost. How did, how did Lindsay meet his missus? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> she spent 12 months in Holland too, didn't she, Lindsay? She did, actually. <laughs> didn't find you there. No, no, I didn't meet her in Holland and I didn't meet her overseas, but um, through youth camps, um, I had been to a couple of weddings, a uh, wedding of uh, a good friend, and uh, she was a waitress there. Mm. And, and then when we went to uni, I went along to the, uh, I think it was the LSF camp up at Stockport, and... Um, she said, oh, I was very quiet. <laughs> mm. But then I found out that she had, we had a, um, her grandmother lived in Udunda. So that was a connecting point. Fantastic. Any other questions? No? All right. Um, I want to pray for these gentlemen and then I think we should say thank you to them in our normal way. So let's pray for them. So, thank you, Father, for these faithful servants of yours. We praise you and we thank you that they have the courage and the faith and the trust to be able to come up here and share um, how you've affected their journeys, how you've blessed them through their journey. We ask that you continue to bless them and strengthen them as they serve you through their service to us and to others around. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.